Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path Ventures actual play of the Tales from Dark Moon Vale, Hollow's Last Hope, Episode 7. Lucky dun, number dun, 7. Dun. <laughs> Rick beat me to it. Hero points restored! Hero points are restored. Technically, I lost hmm. a hero point, right? Well, that's on you, man. Yeah, you should have used you, it. If you didn't use it. Use hero it or lose points it. have reset, <laughs> so everybody who... Well, regardless of what number of hero points da, you da, had da. before, now you have one, so... I'm excited. I'm sorry, I'm Rachel. I'm sad. <laughs> you use them. You have to spend them. Yeah, you did have two whole episodes to use them, so... I know, but I didn't have, like, a time where I really needed to, or that I yeah. thought I needed to. Well, in Pathfinder to second edition, it, you need to really use them, I guess. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder if it may be okay to just, like, be like, you know what? I'm probably hit, but let me try again just to see if I can get a critical or something like that. True. Yeah, I'm going to have to start doing that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, for a brief recap... Last time, our heroes had begun exploring the main wing of the Dwarven Monastery. They encountered what seemed to be an old scribe's desk or something of that nature, finding a number of useful items and some stairs that went down. They decided, you know what, let's not just start exploring a second level yet. Yep. Continued down, decided to skip the nave of the monastery. You checked the waiting room and found a poor... Dwarf or Dwargar, it's really difficult to know at this point. Probably killed himself quite some time ago. Adding to the mystery of this monastery. It's true. Yeah. Uh, the coat closet, unfortunately, also didn't have anything, except for a single iron blue Mushrooms. mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. Clove found that and tucked it away, so you're up to three now, I believe? Mm -hmm. Yes. Four more yes. left. Okay. And from there, you found a number of rooms at the end of the hallway. And that number being two. I don't know why I said a number. Yeah. It's like there's two. Just say two. An Ross, indeterminate number of rooms. <laughs> Infinitesimal. Yes. I've learned, if I've learned nothing from studying uh, Lovecraft writing is that you can make anything infinitely more creepy by just not explaining things. True. I ate a breakfast not to be described. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds kind of creepy now it's like my yes. mind's filling in a whole bunch of stuff that I probably don't want to talk about there were a number of See, rooms that we cannot speak of I went the other direction with that because when I think breakfast I'm like man not to be described that means there's probably like a mountain of waffles and pancakes so that's the thing it's bacon it could go either way you yeah. really don't want to know what I was thinking <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with, with my waffles. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Gonna say black Oozing pudding, <laughs> maple syrup ooze. Mm, oh black god, pudding. a maple syrup ooze. That sounds like a wonderful monster. After you defeat it, you can eat it. You throw pancakes <laughs> at it, and that's how you win. <laughs> it just soaks it up. Yep. You have to sop it all up with yeah. waffles. Mm, yeah. Waffles. That's how you lure in those Canadians. <laughs> with waffles. <laughs> With maple syrup. syrup. Oh, with maple syrup. syrup. <laughs> but, it's like the official food of Canada. That so the so maple syrup is the official food of the plane of air. Yes. Yes. Yep. Where they can't have trees. Yeah. They can it's have important. air trees, uh, thank you. Yeah, you can with the aeroponics. Anything is possible. Maple trees yeah. are a special kind of tree native to the air uh, the plane of air. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh yeah, then you had um from there, you ended up finding a smaller chamber, probably some sort of sleeping chamber, that contained one kobold and a trap. It was sad. The trap was disarmed. Yeah. The kobold ranted at you in a language none of you understood. 
and then proceeded to try to attack you. You, well, unfortunately had no choice but to defeat it. Wasn't really a fair fight. We outnumbered him six to one. Cried. True. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, the room made it pray. somewhat more fair. True. At the very least, the, it was able to get back in a corner, so not all of you could attack it at once. Yeah. We very much could not use our superior numbers against it. It's yep. true. Kobolds are still fairly clever. Clove likes to think it was a good kobold. Grim, mm-hmm. not so much. But Grim had to pray over it, and, Col- and uh, Clove feels a little better. That's true. And that's more important. But you recovered some gear from it, uh, including a ruby and I think um, some more silver pieces and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was going to say this kobold had bank. Yeah, yeah, he had platinum yep. pieces on him. What the heck? Oh. No, that was the that was the other place, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the desk had the platinum. Oh, pieces Oh, the in desk it. had the platinum pieces. Okay. But the kobold still had sixty two silver pieces, which is a considerable yeah. amount of money. There was a. We're buying the town of Falcon's Hollow. That's what we decided. <laughs> There was a ruby in the uh, the ring that I got too, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was well, a ruby. I think there was a separate yes, ruby was. among the kobold stuff. Yeah. Rubies. Maybe yes. maybe there's a ruby mine around here or something. Maybe that's what's here. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then oozes. Yeah. <laughs> then you open a door to what was at one point a library, and my inner librarian cried at the state of it. Yes. Um, no. Fortuitously, there seems to be a lot of fungus here, which may mean more iron blue mushrooms. Unfortuitously, quite a bit of that had seemed to congeal into some sort of creature. Mm, that then attempted to kill Clove. Well, yeah, beknownst Clove to Grim and unbeknownst to Clove, it then started to move toward her. <laughs> yep. True. I did a whole big dramatic and no and yeah. dive sideways in front of Clove. I don't know. <laughs> Close like mushrooms, yeah. I suppose we'll see in a I'm moment in when <laughs> we pick up with some combat, and I'm going to need initiative from the party. Ooh. Bum, bum. And you mean I can't use my perception roll because I rolled so good? Yeah, is no. it, really. Are we using perception? Yes, you're using perception. I assume so that's standard. Yeah, I think. Um, I didn't do bad the second time either. Eh, okay. <laughs> the dice agreed with me in my current state. I rolled a four for a ten perception. All right. Oh, my. So oh no, look how big and gross it looks. Ooh. I know, yeah. right? It's like just a little sludge thing. Amaranth. Matching Jess, I roll a four, but only for a seven. Ooh. Aw. Celestine. Celestine rolls a 16 for a 21. Okay. Astrea. Astrea rolls a 15 for a 21. All right. And Grim. Grim rolls a 16 for 20. Okay. So, Celestine and Estrella, the two of you have the first initiative. Which one of you is going first? Well, it looks like I'm in the room already. So I figured that me. you were just behind Grim and uh, Clove, so... Well, then, yeah. yeah, I'm good being there. Then I guess I'll go first, because I'm in there. All right. Makes sense. And I guess Estrella would be, you know, more likely to ignore it than Celestine. He's like, yeah, but it's still gross. <laughs> Alright, so Estrella, you have three actions uh, I am going to move forward with my first action uh, to get base base contact with the Uzi thing uh, right and then I'm going to slash down at it with my short sword Sounds good You're going to stab at it Step and slash Actually, short swords are versatile now, aren't they? Yeah they yep. are versatile, but when you roll a three, it doesn't help very much. So it only gives me <laughs> no. a 13. 
You have a hero point. I do have a hero point. You know, I, let's just use it. We're going to use a hero point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did last time. Cool. And you know what? It was worth it because I rolled a 17. So that's a 27. <laughs> Bam, baby. 27. Impressive. You slice into this thing. You hit it. Go ahead and roll damage. Did I crit it? Unfortunately, no. Man, it's really hard to crit Aww. things. Ah. So I rolled real well on that second hero point attack, but I only did one point of damage. Oh, I know. A small piece of moss goes flying off of it into a corner before it shrivels and dies. You think you heard it. You have okay, uh, one action um, remaining. I'm going to swing at it again. All right. All right. So that'd be a 12 plus 10, which is a 22 minus 5, which is a 17. A 17 right? hits your target. Sweet. That's for three points of damage. Ow. You swipe in again, knocking off several bits of fungus as a to a squelching sound as bits of it go flying off again. It doesn't really react, which makes this kind of weird. Celestine, it's your turn. I guess Celestine will enter the gross room and go stand uh, next to Clove. Well, I have to get in there. Oh, yeah. But do you mind keeping moving? Because I... Also need to get in there. Now it's got a five foot step so I could be next to Clove. There's no such thing as five foot steps anymore. Either way you're gonna have to move. No, there is. There's no free five foot yet. step, but Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. So it might go before he Grim. Provoke. Yeah. Oh. Alright, I guess I'll keep moving. Alright. And you I continue will to move swing. forward. So believe in you. You move into the room, swing, go ahead and roll your attack. I roll a ten for a seventeen. A seventeen nice. hits your target. Does this thing able to be sneak attacked? No, unfortunately. Wait, if a 17 hits the target, the 27 should have criticaled, right? Ross should have. Didn't bring up the fact that it's immune to criticals. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't know that yet. Because we don't know that because we, we don't haven't know recalled that. knowledge. Yeah, none of you so have right actually now, huh? I did technically it. crit it. You would have if it could be. You would have, yes. If it could have been critted, I would have critted it. Ah. Yeah. All right, I do... Nine points of damage. My curved blade is slashing. Ow. You swing in, cutting off a large slice of this thing. Some of the yes. slime sticks to your sword, but you think you've heard it. Celestine makes a ew face as she swings down at it again with her curved blade. I roll right. a 17, so minus five is 12, plus my seven is a 19. 19 hits your target. I do another nine points of damage to it. You oh, slam sorry, down do, a I second do, time. I do ten because of forceful. You slam down a second time, cutting more of it off, but it is still Gross. moving. She kind of wiggles her curve blade like, ew, it's got stuff on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grim. All right. Uh, Grim will heft his hammer. He will take a step forward, base contact with this, heft his hammer, and swing. All right. Uh, maybe that's a 10 for a 16. A 16 hits your target. All right. For five points of damage. It's not my best roll. Eh. Hey, it still works, though. Your hammer slams into the thing as bits go flying everywhere, slime coming up in a spray. You're pretty sure you're hurting it. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. You have an uh, I'm not going to probably hit this with a minus five, so uh, I'm going to try to recall knowledge. Do I know anything about these? Very well. Technically, this is either nature or occultism, whichever is better for you. Though I think in Grimm's case, it's nature. It's definitely nature. 
I'm not much of an occultist. <laughs> so, Grim, thinking it over, looking at this thing, you're certain this is a slime mold. Mm. Slime molds um, mostly grow in patches of, well, large areas of fungus. The, the fungus actually serves as a sort of um, symbiotic relationship with the mold itself, and that it actually processes the food down into a state the mold can eat, or the slime can eat. Hmm. Uh, in addition, um, they're supposed to be highly infectious. They're actually terribly gross, and mm. they contain a wide variety of diseases, poisons, or other things, depending on the type of mold. Well, that's pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can ask a single question about slime molds. Well, the hammers and swords seem to be working on this. So, uh, resistances. Very well. A slime mold is resistant to mental damage, unconsciousness... Any visual effect, critical hits, and precision damage. So nothing I need to worry, warn Amaranth about, so... Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Graham slams his hammer and steps back. It's a slime mold. Don't let it touch you. Huh? What does it do if it touches you? Uh, they're highly infectious. Ew. Uh, yeah, that's going to be it for Grim. Hmm. Which brings us around to said slime mold. It's a target-rich environment. Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. I should have stayed in the hallway. Like, I should have stayed in bed. Yep. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> sure thing, Dante. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, Celestine definitely did the most damage to it. Yeah, I know. With that double slice. But it has, like, zero intelligence, so we'll see. Yeah, well... It also may have other tricks up its sleeve, metaphorically. And then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it whirlwind attacks. Honestly, it... just it, throws up on us. Singing cloud. I don't know. It honestly doesn't usually go for whoever damaged it the most. It just starts going for the first thing it sensed, which was the closest person to it at the beginning. No! Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so it'll start by going for Clove. I mean, it can't really see. It just has a rudimentary sense of, like, light and stuff like that. Exactly. It doesn't actually... Technically, it's given a motion sense. Ah. It's like a T-Rex. So, yeah. Oh, the cliff hasn't so, moved. No. Anyway. I was inspecting mushrooms That's true. Clove, does a 15 hit you? No. All right. Lashes out with a pseudopod, though Clove ah. manages to stumble, not so much lively as just sort of, wah, out of the way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's a lot of close targets now, so it will attack for Clove again. Ah. Oh, God, there's a thing here. Uh, 12, <laughs> I don't think, is going to hit you either. It doesn't. It then, for its last attack, shifts over to Astrea. Mm. No. Well, does a 13 hit Astrea? <laughs> no. Yeah, that minus 10 is really not helping it at this point. Yeah. So... Uh, unfortunate for it. And that is its turn, Clove. Uh, Clove immediately rages. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Danger. a plan. Danger! And then I guess she'll just reflexively swing down with her machete at this thing. Alright. She goes from scraping things with the machete to collect mushrooms to cutting at a slime. <laughs> Alright. Uh, she rolls a 15 for a 22. A 22 hits your target. Sweet. For eight points of damage. You swipe in, more bits of it flying off. You think that part of a bit of mold got into your hair. Ew. Ew. 
Ew, that's my hair. Gross. And I'm going to swing again. Uh, what the heck? She rolls a two, which gets her a four. A four, unfortunately, does not hit your target. <laughs> quick ah, quick question. But yeah, unfortunately, your second attack, your machete bounces off of the slime. You don't ah, really get slime. into it. Amaranth, it's your turn. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take a uh, five-foot step into the doorway, uh, get eyes on this thing, and then cast uh, my casting electric arc on it, because <laughs> hopefully this thing isn't very dexterous, and I'm hoping it just, like, flat fails. Uh, it surprisingly gets a 22 on its reflex. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dodge as like split into two for a second before reforming into one thing. You know, well, I that's like that. unfortunate. Yes, that's what happens. <laughs> Unfortunately, I apparently didn't target both halves of its lobes, uh, <laughs> so that's only three points of damage after the half. I'm a giant oh. brain. <laughs> the brains Basically. am winning again. Right. Um, yeah, no, you shock it as you smell a burnt smell, almost of vegetation that's been left out in the sun too long or something. Oh, that just made this room Gross. even more pleasant. Ooh. Smells like burning fish food. Ew. <laughs> and from there, let's go back up to the top with Astraea. Um, since she's right there, just let's start wailing into this thing. So she yeah. tightens her grip on her new short sword and slashes down once more. All right. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Well, 14 hit. A 14 hits your target. Okay. What's the sign? This thing's not hard to hit. It's just uh, gross. Can't roll damage today, though. One point of damage, and then she will slash again, so kind of brings it down and then brings her back swing right across it again. Sounds good. Boom, boom. For a 17. 17 hits. For five points of damage that time. Nice. And let's, we're going to go ahead and try the third swing. We'll see how this goes. Hey, why not? Yeah. Let's see. That would be a uh, 14. 14 hits. Hey. Yeah. Nice. For three points of damage. <laughs> nice. You swipe at this thing three times, bits of it flying off each time. You're a little bit more graceful, so you're able to do it without necessarily getting slime all over yourself, though your blade's still coated in the stuff. Ugh. It's not really a way to avoid that, though. Let's see here. Celestine. Uh, I will also slash at it. All right. Yay! The first one is an 11 for an 18. An 18 hits. I do 10 points of damage. Nice. You swipe in a large piece of slime flying back against the ceiling ab above you. It's still gooey. Celestine will swing again. I roll a 16, so that's an 11 plus 7 is 18. 18 hits again. She does 9 points of damage. As you chop through the thing... It simply stops squelching, it stops moving, and just sort of collapses into a rather sad little puddle of slime and fungus with a single... Well, that was disgusting. Yeah, I'm out, bye. And Clove, like, blinks and is back to herself. <laughs> I just like so that Rosemary's like, you know what? Nah. Nah, I'm so, not getting so paid enough for this. Wait, wait, so, like, you don't go the full minute, you're just like, Rose is like, nah, this is gross. Yep. Oh, wow. Celestine will walk back across the hall and grab one of the old 
pieces of cloth and start trying to get this grossness off of her sword. Uh, Clove, Clove, would you mind bending down? Sure. Grim will like reach up and take the clump of moss out of her hair and kind of toss it off to the side. Ew. Make sure to clean yourselves off thoroughly. These things are disgusting. Yeah, I think Estrella is going to follow Celestine's lead and uh, go find some of the old uh, cloth and clean her sword off as well. I'm going to look for the mushrooms that we need. Yeah, Grim's going to continue gonna searching. going to guard the hallway. Before either of you continues to search the room, first of all, Clove, as you approach the back wall, one of the sections with a bookcase, looking it over, as you begin to approach, you stop yourself. Noting that there's some fungus spores here that are definitely poisonous. Uh, I think we should just leave this room alone. There's a chance you could possibly get rid of them, but you'd have to work at it pretty carefully. There's some pretty poisonous mushroom spores in here. So, I mean, I could try to get rid of them if, if you want me to. No, I think your idea is good. We should search the rest of this place, see if we can find the other mushrooms we need. And if we can't, we can come back and risk this. Okay. Uh, she leaves immediately, because that's bad. Sounds good. Yep. Grim makes his way back out into the hall. I suppose then there's these double doors into the nave, and then the stairs down is all that remains to us. As Celestine begins leading the way back towards the double doors. Okay. Grim takes up his position in the middle. You know, for a teacher, you don't talk that much, Amaranth. Well, I didn't exactly think this was the time for a lecture. There's nothing, like, artistically interesting here? Oh, there's loads of interesting artistic uh, things here. It's more just difficult to take in whenever there's danger around every corner and we're potentially going to die at any moment. We've done all right. Yes, for now. Well, way to be pessimistic there. More realistic. I mean, at least for me, I'm not a trained adventurer, anything like that. So, well, neither I am I. I've never met, left the town before. Mm-hmm. I rest my case. Exactly. I, I don't know how that rests your case at all. Well, I guess he's been a soldier before. I have years of experience. Uh, we are doing quite well, I think. And as long as we continue to be cautious and watch one another's backs, I think we'll make our way through here quite well. Realistically speaking, we stand a better chance than most. How's Reggie? Reggie squeaks. Amaranth pulls out Reggie. You think Reggie's learned her name at the very uh, He pulls out a bean. Stop feeding her! I told you not to feed her that much. Does does Reggie take the food? Reggie looks at it. You almost think she sighs. And (laughs) (laughs) and She knows her name, though. That's smart. She nibbles on it for a moment before just sort of taking it going back up to your shoulder and just sort of holding it. I don't think <laughs> she's hungry right now. You should just try feeding at specific times. Uh-huh. Perhaps dawn, like when you eat food. noon, and dusk. Don't feed it after dark. <laughs> Especially after midnight. <laughs> don't put it in water. Don't put it in water. Don't expose uh, it to direct sunlight. <laughs> but you approach the double doors. These have been... Well, much like the rest of the monastery, these have not necessarily borne the passage of time well, but at the very least, they're well enough that they can still operate normally, so there's that. But the stone doors simply lie closed before you. Celestine will look them over. Don't think there's any traps. Yeah, if nothing jumps out at her, she'll push them open. Pushing open the door, it also creaks open. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. 
light pours into the room from the light spells that you take with you, though, of course, much like the rest of the chambers here, there's no light inside already, and the roof is in good enough condition that it's not open to the sunlight. Pews of dark wood lie tipped over and covered in dust on either side of the shrine. At the far end sits a large ceremonial anvil, though its surface has been scarred and ruined by, you guess, a number of implements. Mm. This was, was once a, a solar place to Torag. This was most likely the, the heart of the temple, the shrine. It's sad to see it in this shape. This was sacred ground once. Well, I mean, isn't there always a chance it could be again? It could be, but it's... This place is far from its people now. We should still check here, see what we can find. Celestine will lead the way into the room and begin searching. Yep, Clove looks for mushrooms. All right, as you all start making your way into the room, I do need a perception check from the party. So notice the kobolds up in the choir pew getting ready to shoot arrows down at us. (laughs) (laughs) The organ suddenly starts playing. That's presumptuous. I didn't say there was an organ in here. How did you know? (laughs) There's always an organ. (laughs) Dwarves are famed for their love of pipe organs. Clove, what did you get? Clove rolls a 12 for a 18. All right. Amorth? I roll an 18 for a 21. Nice. Celestine? I roll a two for a seven. Yikes. Uh-oh. Astraea? I roll a 17 for a 23. Grim? Uh, 14 for an 18. Astraea? Mm-hmm. As you walk forward, probably keeping an eye on everybody else, I don't think you're actually directly looking for mushrooms or magic or any other bits and bobs that might be useful. Nah. You take a cursory glance at the ceiling and see movement up there. You have enough time to register a pair of strange, almost cloth-like shapes that begin descending from the ceiling. They're dusky gray forms opening as they launch to some form of strange attack. Darbats! What? <laughs> and we're uh-huh. headed right into combat. Whoa! Oh, we're oh, back no. again. Yeah. Alrighty then. At least I rolled well this time. I figured Estrella just goes, look out! Huh? <laughs> what are That's these things says. called? If they're what I'm thinking Star they mantles? are. Yeah. I guess that's what they would be. I don't know. How do you know? We haven't. Well, there are a lot of things down or? here. So it could be it could be bats. It could be dark mantles. It could be cloakers. It could be yeah, uh, cloakers. cloakers also. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, so Estrella, you have first initiative. Yes. These creatures are currently at the ceiling. They're technically about... They're currently about uh, 10 feet in the air. Hmm. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, I do have a short bow, so I'm going to action sheathe my sword, action draw my bow, action shoot my bow. Okay. Uh, Which one? The one to the north or the south? North. The one that's uh, north of me. Sounds good. Well, I guess technically they're both north of me because they're both above me, but uh, map-wise, the one that's uh, uh, up above to the north. Yeah. All right, sounds good. So going ahead and make your attack. Yeah, that's not a good one. Apparently, I was too into my my sword skills and not my bow skills, and I rolled a nat one. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Very well. Your arrow slams against the ceiling next to the thing as it just sort of shatters into a number of shards and splinters falling everywhere. As we go to the creatures... Uh Uh-oh. 
They decide just to leave us alone. It's all good. They swoop in, focusing their attention on Grim and Estrella. Yeah. So first they need to move. The one attacking Grim is going to go ahead and attempt to claw him. Oh, jeez. Uh, it gets a Ross. 25. That'll do. Yeah. Making up for that slime mole <laughs> not doing anything earlier. Yeah, that'll hit. It swings in for three points of damage. Ouch. Clawing and raking against you with its very strange... Its claws actually seem to be at the... So to give a better description of these things, these things almost seem like bolts of cloth that just sort of float in the air. But at the edge, or the hem, I guess, um, each one has a number of claws. This one rakes down at Grim, and then... So I'm, I'm picturing something like a manta ray, but with like a fanged edge to it. Yep. I think it's just like a killer sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I'm being attacked by like Doctor Strange's cloak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's uh, the, the carpet from Aladdin. Oh yeah, or carpet. Claws. <laughs> okay, so it's going to go on ahead and grab you. Oh no. Uh-oh. All right. As it swipes on. So according to this, they actually have the grab ability, which means uh, as long as they hit, they can automatically grab until spending the end of their action. next turn. Yes, by there spending it. an action. So it's going to go in and do that, grabbing on to your shield arm. Unfortunately, um, you can't use the shield to strike it, but you still have your other hand free. So there's that. Okay. And then the other one's going to go on ahead and attack Astraea. Apparently these things just hate you. Uh, 22 to hit Estrella. Yeah, that'll hit. All right. For four points of damage, as it also grabs on, and it will just grab on to your, probably your free hand, the one not holding your bow. Jerk. Yeah, that's their turn, though. So from there, Amaranth, it's your turn. Okay, step one, recall knowledge. What are these? Nice. Amaranth, you're not sure. Uh-oh. You can try again. I could try again, or I could just light them up. You could hit both of them. I know, so I'm going to cast Electric Arc, hitting both of them. All right, sounds good. So they both get reflex saves. Indeed. Well, my how the turns table. So, <laughs> uh, the one on Grim rolls a natural one. Nice. Yes. It only got an 11 normally, so I'm assuming that's a critical failure. And getting an 11? No, it doesn't fail by uh, 10. Well, rolled but it rolled one. a nat 1, so yeah. it's still a crit fail? Yep. Okay. What Ross was saying is if it would still have passed if it rolled a 1, it would have just been a regular failure. Oh, yeah, no, it, it wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one gets a total of a 14, which I also assume doesn't pass. Uh, yes, that's a fail. Okay. So nice. one critical that's failure and one failure. All right. So the one that fails takes six. The one that crit fails takes 12. Ow. Woo. Lightning flashes arcing from your outstretched hand between them. Yeah, um, the one that's on Estrella sort of shudders but keeps latching on. The one on Grim just sort of shakes violently for a moment. It's still moving, but it did not like that. Woo. I'm useful. Even if I couldn't remember what this thing is. You've been useful. That's been a cool spell you've been using. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I use it to death. The one spell. The one spell. 
You have other spells, right? I do have other spells. I'm saving most of them. <laughs> All right. Grim, it's you or Clove next um, between the two of you. I mean, you can go since you're grabbed. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right. That works. Grim. Uh, yeah, so Grim's just going to bring his hammer around and, like, tuck his shield in close to his chest. And kind of like a warrior taunting another warrior begins slamming his hammer onto his shield, which I believe <laughs> this thing is grabbed onto. So That's yep. Darnell's yeah. clove, and she screams a little bit. <laughs> That's 15. A 15 sadly does not strike your target. Uh-oh. You hit right. your shield, but you don't think the thing was on it, or at least not on that part. I can't use my shield. Not well. No, no, if these things fly no. up, how much of an issue this is going to be. So Grim's going to drop the hammer. Okay. Ah. Oh. He's going to reach down, pull out that magical hatchet that he just got in case this thing decides ah. to fly off. And you know what? He's going to go ahead and take ah. a swing. Uh, with only a minus four penalty, because nice. this is agile. Yeah, there you hey. go. Hey. <laughs> uh, moving along. Uh, uh, be it adjusted. <laughs> adjusted five. Yeah, no. Oh. Five, Ouch. unfortunately, does not hit your target. No, this thing uh, caught Grim a little off guard. Clove. Clove wants to see if she can recall knowledge. All right. I have to do it before I rage. No, unfortunately, Clove does not know what these are. Nope, these are terrible. Uh, Clove rages. All right. Uh, so, you know, she blanches. She looks over. The hammering scared her a little bit. And also, these are scary flying pieces of cloth. Yeah. That are trying to strangle her friends. It's true. Not fun. So, she will then spend her last action to hack at it with her machete. All right. She rolls a nine on the dice for a 16. A 16 hits your target. And I'm so sorry, right. Grim. Okay. <laughs> oh. oh, well. Yeah. For minimum damage, which is seven. Ow. Get off my dwarf friend, fiend. Uh, I thought you were going to say get off that <laughs> grandpa, which would have been very funny. Oh, that's so funny. I'm going to do that instead. Get off that grandpa, rude. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. That's so much funny. And this thing's name yes. is now rude. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yes, Rude and Reno. Better steal from them. They've got some nice <laughs> and armor. And they're attacking on. us in a church too. This is true. Nice. That's true. Uh, anyway, yeah. No, you slam into it, um, swiping across this thing's form. You open up part of it as this sort of grayish blood wells out of it. Ew. It's still moving, but you don't think for long. Let's see. And that brings us to Celestine. Do I have this proper skill to try to recall knowledge for these? I mean, technically, you can always recall knowledge. It's an untrained action. All right. Well, I'll try. All right. Nope. No idea. Nope. No idea. Wow, All right. this is crazy. So I will uh, swing at the or stab at the one that's attacking Estrella. All right. I roll an eight for a 15, which I don't think is going to hit. A 15 sadly does not hit. As Australia is trying to probably just flail it off of her and it just keeps moving out of the way. All right. My second strike is an 18, so 13 plus 7 is 20 to hit. A 20 does hit your target. Get it off, get it off, get it off. Celestine does six points of damage. Australia, quit quit flailing. (laughs) I'm trying to get it off. You swipe across it, more of that gray blood spilling onto the temple floor here. It still seems to have some fight left in it, though. And Estrella, it's your turn. 
so if it he doesn't have me grappled or anything, right? Technically, like it I does. can still. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're so grabbed. I can't like drop my bow and grab my sword. No, you can. You just can't grab it with the hand it's currently grabbed onto. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The grabbed condition gives you the immobilized condition as well, correct? You're flat-footed and immobilized. True. Yes. Yeah, immobilized requires a flat... DC5 flat check to grab something. To manipulate an object, yes. Yes. So to draw your sword, you chances are you'll be able to. It's just there is technically a chance you'll fail. I got a 13. Okay, yeah. yeah. You can grab your sword. Okay. So is it a free action to drop my... Do I need to drop my bow? Because that's the one it's um, grabbed, right? No, it's grabbed your other hand, so you oh, would okay. need to drop your bow to draw your sword. Okay. So I drop my bow, grab my sword, slash at it. Okay. Oh, you do that thing where you pull it out of the sheath and slash at the same time? Yeah, pretty much. Like um, the samurai like thing? Like a Rony Kenshin like style? Well, I rolled a 19 for a 29. A 29 hits your target, yeah. Uh, that is, in fact, a critical hit. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Rachel likes the critical. Dang it. And that's only two points of damage. Oh. oh. We got to no. give you some strength, honey. You need some strength. I'm so sad. You hit it. I mean, more blood flows, but you think you didn't really wound it much. However, you dropped, drew, attacked. You have one action left. I'm going to attack it again. Yeah, keep stabbing. Uh, that would be 11 plus 10, 21 minus 4, because my weapon is agile. It's mm-hmm. uh, 17. 17 hits. All right. For two points of damage. You stab it again. Again, a small cut drawing blood as you just keep stabbing it against your arm. I suppose you're probably trying to be very careful not to hit your arm by mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still attached, but you think you've wounded it a couple of times. Nice. Hmm. Okay, so unfortunately, well, I mean, fortunately for them, unfortunately for you, you're technically grabbed until the end of their turn. Oh, yeah. So they're both going to go on ahead. I think they can use an action to just maintain it, correct? Yes. So first of all, they both do that. Um, The one attacking Grim is going to go on ahead and attempt to constrict. Grim, I need a four save. Uh Uh-oh. Well, you made a terrible mistake in trying to constrict a dwarf. Uh, That would be an 18 for a 26. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Wow. All right, so you take half damage from constriction, Grim. (laughs) So you take one point of damage as it tries to constrict you. Uh. I was hoping for a critical success. I don't know if there is one for that. Uh, yeah. There's one point of damage. There is, technically. Um, oh, wow, man. That DC must there. be high. Yeah, it's it's pretty high, but uh, it will go on ahead and attempt to constrict again, which gives you another fortitude save. All right. See if this holds up. I'm just going to try to squeeze the life out of you. Ugh, that's not great. Just did 15. A so 15 seven, seven and eight, 15. Yeah, uh, 15 sadly does not succeed. Yeah. You still only take one point of damage, though. (laughs) It rolled much worse this time. This is rather unpleasant. Astrea, I also need a fortitude save from you. Oh, that's not very good. I rolled a 4 for a 4 and 11. Okay, well, that does fail. Fortunately, you don't critically fail, though, so... Torag! 
Uh, oh, I yeah. go ahead and activate my retributive strike. There Even you go. I can't strike or do anything retributive, but it does knock off the first three points of damage. It does, which brings it down to one point of damage. <laughs> that's <laughs> the best I can do. I like that essentially Grim so is like, Torag, you owe me. Like, that's kind of... <laughs> 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 the, great, the greatest thing about it is I can say that, but I can't use that power on myself. Aww. True. But, Astraea, um, I also need another fortitude save as it continues to constrict you. That's much better. Uh, that'd be a 13 for 20. A 20 succeeds, so this time you take half damage for another one point of damage. I swear these things could do more than one constrict damage. They just don't I seem mean, to... they're chipping away at me. It's true. They're just sort of slowly nomming on you. It seemed like that first one probably would have done four, so... Yeah, it would have. Yeah. All Get right. a lot of mileage out of that reaction. Yeah, true. It's a good reaction, honestly. So it's a very fan. good reaction. I'm very happy with it. I wish I had Amaranth. range retribution because I could have thrown this hatchet at it. Oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Need to switch same to a hatchet it. build. Uh, Amaranth, it's your turn. All right. Second verse, same as the first. I cast Electric Arc again. Hold on, everyone. Hold on. All right. They'll both try some reflex saves. <laughs> okay. This is much better for them. Uh, the one on Grim gets a 22. The that one on Astraea rolls a perfect 20. Aw, no. dang it. 30. Ooh, uh, that's a critical success for no damage. All right, but the one on Grim still takes half damage. Uh, it's going to take three points of damage. It shudders. Grim, you feel a slight tingling on your arm as some of the electricity courses up through it. Before it just sort of... Let's go and falls off, landing with a sort of plop. Oh, Amaranth, I do down. love it when you make the sparks fly. <laughs> Celestine grins at him. <laughs> Just get a room already. <laughs> Inappropriate in the middle of combat. You're not my dad. Situations. You're not, my, You're not dad. my dad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Grim looks down at this thing, looks up at the elf, and nods at appreciation. I'm sure his beard doing this like giant poof thing in every direction. Oh yeah, it's just a big old poofy beard. <laughs> well played, Grim. Oh, that makes it your turn too. Grim is going to step up next to our resident fighter, uh, heft this uh, hatchet, and swing. Sounds good. There we have it. So that's a 24. <laughs> yeah, 24 hits your target. Go ahead and roll your damage. Ooh, nine points of damage for that first swing. Nice. Whoa. You bury your hatchet in the thing as um, as blood spurts everywhere. It just sort of stops moving, limply falling to the ground. Well played. <sighs> Thank you. You're right, Australia. curtains come to life and strangle people? What the heck? Uh, I guess I'll try to recall knowledge on this as well. See if. Uh, yeah, I will yeah. as well. If we got the time. We can all recall. Well, at the very least, Grim, uh, Grim does get it. So I guess we'll start with that. Grim, you recognize these creatures as dusk mantles. Uh, mm. dusk mantles. Oh. Are those the same as dark mantles? Do they change the name? Actually, I think they're dark mantles. I wrote it down wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, they I, are dark. Maybe mantles. they changed the names. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I 
for some reason, I keep doing that because I just think Dusk Mantle sounds cooler, but... It does. It sounds rad. Uh, maybe maybe a Dusk Mantle is the name for, like, a surface-dwelling Dark Mantle? Hmm? Maybe. Oh, I it's like a that. subspecies. They're strange creatures from the Darklands. Um, they don't tend to exist on the surface much, but if, when they do, they prefer places of darkness. They can use light to uh, help detect prey, though honestly, they don't need it to see. Hmm. Grim strokes his beard, half in thought, half to try to get it under control. <laughs> oh, they're dark mantles. They're residents of the Darklands, the underground caverns that the dwarves originally held from. But they're here, which means that there must be a deeper connection somewhere nearby. We did find those stairs down. I wonder how deep they actually go. Probably very deep if such things are coming up, right? It would have to be very deep indeed. Well, would the Durgar have brought them here when they controlled the monastery, kept them as weird guardian pet things, and they've just been around since then? I didn't run into that when I fought the Durgar myself in the past, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen, so it's possible. I don't... Do I know, like, approximately how long they live? They tend to be fairly short-lived predators. Um, Mm. Usually their lifespan is a decade or less. Generations of dark mantles actually crop up and can change rapidly. Well, because if this temple fell with the collapse of Tarkadrum, that was 250 years ago. Well, couldn't they have made more dark mantles? Potentially. Ew. We should keep an eye out further for them, but I think we handled them rather readily. Are you alright, Astrea? Uh, I'm, I'm a little beat up. <laughs> I am as well, so... Um, uh, Clev will come back to herself and offer to heal whoever, er, herbalism, whoever needs it. Now, Estrella, you've already done in the no, last hour? Okay. I did Celestine. Yeah, I'm down six hit points. Yeah, okay. it was Celestine. She didn't do Estrella. Uh, well, I can heal you a lot more than that. Well, I was more saying that Grim's actually down a lot more than that, so I could use my lay on hands, heal her for six, while you could bandage okay, me I'll up. Do you. Yeah. While that's I going know, on, let me identify a magic item. I am going to search the faint or the faint or the nave or whatever we're calling it while that is going on. <laughs> the shrine. I get an 18 uh, on my nature check to natural medicine wrap up yep. uh, and bandage. That and Grim automatically heals Estrella for six. Perfect. Uh, eight is what I roll on those two D8s. Nice. That brings me up to full. Cool. Yeah. Okay, and then, uh, so we have three magic items that we could ident- I can identify while we're doing that. So I've got uh, the potion of question mark, the question mark ring, and the question mark hatchet. Do the ring. That Grim was rocking. I was going to say, maybe the ring? potion, it might be useful. We're pretty sure that's probably healing, right? We won't know till we drink Grim, it. Maybe. Uh, Grim could remove the ring, hand that over to Amaranth, and uh, can I inspect the uh, the shrine as I pray? Yeah, I'd say that's absolutely part of your devotion. I'm assuming... This was a shrine to to Torag, after all. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was assuming it's a shrine to Torag, so... All right, so Celestine and Grim, you can both go ahead and make perception checks. Uh, Grim, I don't think this is to recall knowledge. I'd say it's just more insight. So go ahead and roll Dwarven lore for me, please. Okay. Uh, Celestine rolls a... Or gets a 19 on her perception check. Okay. All right, so my perception check is only a 12, but my Dwarven lore is a 23. Okay. So with a 19, Celestine taking a look around, 
Grim, you don't find anything of particular interest. Yeah. He's a little upset. Yeah. Probably not focusing on the surroundings so much as the central portion of the shrine itself anyway. Yeah. Dusting off the stone with calloused hands. Whispering prayers to the old gods. The old gods? My old gods. All dwarf gods are old. (laughs) Not the great old ones. No. The old boys. (laughs) Uh, Celestine... With a 19, truthfully, the only thing you really note is that this area doesn't look like it's been crossed over in some time as well. Um, there is still heavy cakes of dust here, and frankly, you don't think you don't see any tracks or anything like that. You also don't find anything useful except for shards of dark wood here and there. I mean, you might be able to make some neat jewelry out of it, but beyond that, nothing super useful. I don't think the kobolds or the wargs really have gone through here. It seems mostly left alone. It's quite possible the kobolds were not allied with these dark mantles. They may have avoided this chamber. Well, that leaves us the stairs down. Mm. Grim, looking over the chamber, looking over the central shrine, of course, this brings you a great deal of sadness. The anvil here has been defaced in a number of ways, both chiseled and covered in acid and any number of terrible things Mm. you still see at least in part the symbol of torag emblazoned on the on the top of the anvil here though this has been marked through quite a bit and one thing you note that while uncommon in shrines is still something that you're aware of there are five indentations that don't look like they were actually made by somebody trying to damage the shrine they were already here whenever this anvil was made. You recall that most monasteries, to Torag especially, but most dwarven monasteries in general, uh, prepare the central shrine to use magical effects in the case of emergency, usually by putting some sort of gemstone or other device onto one of these indentations. It allows hmm. to temporarily bolster any creature nearby. Um, Celestine. Yes. Are you carrying those gems that we found on that kobold? I, I have the ruby. Gems are sacred to the dwarven clans. Let me let me see them. She hands over I think over it was just ruby. one, wasn't it? It's just I only have written down one ruby. I thought we had like a ruby and I thought we had a different gemstone. No, the, no. Just the there's ruby? the ruby okay. that's in the ring and then there's the ruby we found with the kobold and that's it. Grim takes the ruby. Is it about... Like when when you say indentations, is it like, like a shallow indentation or is it like something yeah. supposed to be slotted into it or... It's fairly shallow, but looking at the ruby and looking at the indentation, you're certain that it would fit right in. I'm going to attempt to use this. Oh my. Grim kneels, says a prayer to Torag, takes the gem, places it, I guess, in just one of the five slots on there. You place the gemstone in the slot. The first one. Is it five in a row? Is it five in a circle? or? Um, It's five in a circle. Yeah, you could choose technically the northernmost or the one closest to you is probably one of the ones at the bottom. Uh, if there's one pointing towards like the front of the anvil, like the extended, uh, I can't remember what that's called. Horn? I think it's the horn. Yeah, the left-hand side then would. Okay. Yeah, so I said I set it in place. Torag, bless us and help us in recovering this place for your glory. You place the ruby on the altar here, and all of you immediately hear a sound of hammer striking anvil it is incredibly loud though not deafening strangely enough 
All right, well, uh, now everyone definitely knows we're here. Is that good? Oh, that's a blessed sound. You all feel yourselves... Honestly, you feel a sort of fire within you that you didn't know was there a moment ago. It seems like the fire of a forge meant to temper rather than destroy. And with the blessing of Torag, and in game mechanics turn, all of you have gained five temporary hit points. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. In addition to this, you are all affected by a bless spell for the next hour. Nice. The bless spell gives you a plus one status to attack rolls. Ooh. Ah, oh, nice. Torag still watches over this place. So what... What, what was that exactly? As I mentioned before, monasteries are also fortresses. This would be a place where the soldiers could come and receive the blessings of Torag before going into battle. But I, I'm assuming the gemstone, is the gemstone gone? No, it's still there, though it no longer shines quite as brightly. Torag draws the strength from the stones, the shrine does, and channels the power of Torag into the warriors defending the monastery. As we are now retaking it, Torag has recognized us as being warriors in service to a greater cause. And he's aiding us. So could everything hear the the hammer sound, or is that was that just us? I'm gonna assume everyone could. Yeah, no, everyone. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, like, was it an outside sound, or was it like a sound that only we could hear because we activated it? No, I'm sure it rang out through the entire monastery. Saying it that way is hard for you to know because there's no one else besides the five of you here sure. that could possibly have heard it. Um, it's quite possible that it rang through all of these halls to let our enemies know that we are coming and that they should flee. Okay. I think Amaranth is still spending his 10 minutes to identify this magical item, although he's he's glancing a little side-eye over at this ritual and making some mental notes. <laughs> is the ruby in the ring the same size? No, the ruby is a little smaller in the ring. Okay. However, Amaranth glancing over this, taking <laughs> your time out. Hmm? I was just, there's a part of my brain that's like, did we miss other rubies? <laughs> Are we supposed to complete all five and get some sort of super buff? Uh, also, how horrible would the final boss of this place be if we need a five dwarven <laughs> buff spell from Torag? Yeah. We'll find out. Glancing over this ring, though. Honestly, these are supposed to be fairly rare. These are given to favored priests of Torag, usually in so much as those that are skilled in making arms and armor as much as they are skilled at leading a flock of dwarves. I like that a group of dwarves is now a flock. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) Much like the birds that we first came and found to appreciate when we reached the sky. We looked up and said, what are those horrible yet majestic creatures? <laughs> Turns out they were pigeons, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just like, whoa. They're the, the most like, noble oh. of animals. <laughs> but looking at this, this is a ring of Torag. Um, it cool. is a relatively Fancy. rare magical item. Wool, it is worn and invested... First of all, it gives you a constant plus one item bonus on any saving throw against a fire effect. Wow. Spiffy. Nice. Beyond this, though, once per day, you gain an extra reaction. Um, If you are... That can be triggered any time that you are in an area or targeted by a fire effect. Once you use this reaction, you gain a resistance to fire of 10 for the duration of that attack. Nice. Ooh. I'm guessing Grim's going to take that. I bet there's fire soon. I mean, if there are no objections, 
Grimson to slide that back on, I guess invest it. It feels appropriate for you to keep that. Mm-hmm. I feel that we are on a right and righteous path. It does appear that Torag is smiling upon us, having gifted us with a boon as well as such an item as this. Well, Torag is active in the defense of his people, so let us hope that this is enough against whatever we might face below. I believe that this is the last of the surface that we have not explored. Yep, time for the stairs. Very well. Celestine leads the way back towards the stairs. One, one last question, actually. Is this anvil attached to the floor, or can it be moved? It is attached to the floor. I'm about okay. to say, we're not hauling a big-ass anvil with us throughout the rest of this adventure. If it wasn't attached when we left, Grim was going to bring it back to make a shrine closer to the city for everyone. But uh, no, if yeah, it's attached to the floor, then... Unfortunately, sure the lumber consortium doesn't doesn't really want a shrine of Torag right right near or town. any fire around all their trees. If they tolerate Iomade, they'll tolerate Torag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. The lumber consortium will like what we tell them to like. <laughs> we own this town now. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our platinum. Uh, I'm assuming that the ruby was is in essence valueless now, or no? It is still worth the uh, thirty. Um, 35? Okay. 35 gold. Yeah, 35 gold it was worth before. It just, the magic has drained out of it. And unfortunately, none of you had tried to, like, detect magic on it, but. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. There so was the a magic magical aura was on it. To this. I see. Yeah. Biffy. But yeah, you, you didn't yeah. detect magic because, of course, it was a gemstone. I didn't necessarily expect you to. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah, so Grim will slot on the. Uh, shiny. The Ring of Torak invests it, and I suppose take up his place in the middle as uh, Celestine leads the way. Mm-hmm. So you begin to descend the steps, each step echoing throughout the chamber below. You find yourself in what appears to at first just simply be a root cellar dug out over here. It extends maybe some 30 to 40 feet and maybe some 20 feet wide before it ends in really what appears to be a hastily constructed door of some kind. A number of wooden slats more or less lashed together without really any thought as to stability or structure or any sort of fine-tuning. You note two major features here. The first, light glints out into the corner, and you can see really a number of mushrooms growing in a patch over by the doors hmm. however this seems less important to the uh, compared to the trio of occupants in this chamber uh oh oh hello there are three canid forms one bigger oh. than the other two mm. oh the creature in the middle the bigger one tilts its head almost Quizzically looking at all of you as you head down the stairs. Well, good good morning, uh, Mr. or Ms. Warg. I am Grim. Good morning. I had warned you of our coming yesterday. I, again, warning hope that we can come to an understanding. ominous. Tell me, pink ones, why are you here? We uh, simply need some of those uh, mushrooms. There's a sickness in our town, and they're part of the cure. Are those the actual iron, iron bloom mushrooms that we need? They look similar to the ones you've already found, so probably. Okay. You probably have to get closer to inspect them, but, you know, there are three wolves in the way. Fair enough. Why are you here, inhabiting this place, so close to the lands of man? The lizard ones 
feed me and my fellows. They keep us rich in meat and blood. They ask that I guard their lair. They're sniveling little cowards. Agreed. But they are good at finding food. Seems like a good arrangement. I'm a big fan of it, yeah. So, um, can we take some of those mushrooms and be on our way then? What man town are you from? Falcon's Hollow, most recent. Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose we have a problem there. Uh Uh-oh. You see, once all the humans are dead, their meat was promised to me and mine. By who? The kobold. The one who started the plague. The kobold king. Oh, the king? (laughs) Oh, you have no idea how much he wants you all to suffer. The wolf, the ward, (gasps) licks his lips. You all are tastier when you're annoyed. Let's get down to it, shall we? Uh Uh-oh. I would like to rage. (laughs) This guy. The warg howls. The wolves following suit. (sighs) Yikes. They all begin to charge, and we'll pick it up here next time. Dun, dun, dun. Man. He's leading these poor wolves astray. We left a a man-eating wolf alive. Does it human flesh? (laughs) (laughs) The kobold king wants to kill the whole town. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hollow's Last Hope is copyright 2007. Hollow's Last Hope and the Game Mastery module line are trademarks of Paizo. All Game Mastery images are property of Paizo and used with permission.